Good morning, Quirk Quirk. What is up, Quirky fam? This is episode four of the Quirky Cast podcast, a Web3 podcast for you and me and everyone who likes to get a little bit quirky. I'm going to hit this intro and I got a very special guest on the other side of this for you. So stick around and uh, let's get to it. Let's get quirky. All right, if it's your first time joining us, we want to thank you for that. Be sure to subscribe to the show or follow on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to. Leave us a five-star rating and review. That would be awesome, and it helps the show get noticed by more quirkies and more Web3 enthusiasts. So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. Uh, before we go, and I want to give a couple of disclaimers. I always try to do number one. You know, I am part of the quirky community, but this podcast is not uh, officially associated with the quirkies, uh, you know, the brand. So all the thoughts and opinions shared here are from that of a quirky holder um, and somebody deeply entrenched in the community, but not somebody who is a, a part of the overall um, narrative and, you know, executive decision making of the brand. So just bear with me there. Remember that um, the purpose of the show, you know, is kind of, you know, 80, 20 quirkies web three. And I want to document, you know, entertain, engage and educate people um, on web three from the perspective of someone like me, a little bit quirky. So today I have a very special guest to bring up an interview with us. Um, be sure to go check out the last episode, episode three. I have my man Klus on here, if you uh, know him uh, from the Twitter spaces or on Twitter, get to know him. Um, and actually, before we bring up Dave, our guest for today, I want you to make sure to check out, there is a resource now in the description of uh, the description of the show put out by my man Cluse, who was on yesterday. And it's kind of a, uh, a, a tool, a tool book or a playbook on how to protect yourself or be careful, um, you know, in security and web three, which we actually had a space about last night, but I don't want to ramble on too much longer. I'm going to bring in my man, Dave here. This is Dave versus Axie. If you are on the Twitter's first, he is one of our one for one holders. Quirk, quirk, Dave, how you doing? Have a quirky day, Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. It's awesome to have you on here. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're our first one-of-one guest. Um, tell us a little bit about your one-of-one because it is unique even among our one-of-ones. Sure, yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I was actually just looking to try to get a one-of-one. I've always had the goal in any project that I've really believed in to spend up and get a one of one and so for me this skeleton uh that kind of had like the pink and blue bubbles was sitting at the floor at the time for 5e um on the first day of reveal and i just thought it was great you know um i've always kind of liked that i like the finch skull initially but then kind of seeing this one of one skeleton with the bubbles was just sweet and so picked it up and haven't looked back yeah, well, you're a great uh, owner of that PFP. You've been rocking it ever since you got it. It is, like I said, very unique. The background with the bubbles, there aren't any other ones quite like that. And you kind of do have a, uh, you know, a variation of the Finch skull. Maybe that is the original Finch skull. I mean, who knows? Maybe, Maybe. that's Finch himself. I mean, <laughs> we can build this narrative out however we like. So uh, that's an awesome quirky, y'all. Make sure you follow Dave at Dave versus Axie on Twitter. Um, before we jump into, you know, the show and the meat of getting to know Dave, want to bring up our trait of the week last week or last show's trait was the mega blue mohawk, which I talked about with Klus. to this week's trait. Um, I decided to go with the pink goo. 
Uh, there's a few prominent uh, community members that have this in their PFP. It's actually purple, which is interesting to me that it's called Pink Goo. Um, right now, the floor price for a Pink Goo Quirky is $1.9999. Uh, so basically two. It's a really cool trait. Uh, you know, it's cool to have that trait if you're using it as your PFP coming down off of, you know, you have the... That, that, that not like dead space, but to have something above the quirky's head or above your PFP's head. Um, do you have any of the uh, the pink goo in your collection? I don't. I don't even think I have any of the goo. I was just actually checking over into OpenSea right now to see if I have any. I don't. Last I checked, I don't think I do. I really. That's one of the traits I would like to get because I get the you know the guys and gals who have it in their PFP. I'm always a little bit jealous because I, I do like the way that um, it connects the the upper part of your PFP and the lower part, and it just looks really good. I mean, the detail work in the splashes, you know, the shading inside, everything about it is uh, it's an interesting trait. It is a one percent trait, so you know all all quirkies are definitely rare. Um, consider yourself blessed if you got yourself a pink goo quirky out there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so leave us a comment, um, you know, on the on the official Twitter for the podcast. Um, you know, let us know uh, which pink goo uh, you have. We'll, you know, retweet all of those, get you guys a little bit of shine. But Dave, let's go ahead and start talking about about you and, you know, what brought you into the community. Um, you have chosen to, you know, if you're going to dox yourself, tell us your full name and uh, what you're really all about. Or do you want to just tell us a little bit about your your Web3 identity? Yeah, so um I'm pretty well doxxed. I don't I haven't really released my full name to many. Um, so I won't do that. But I will say if you if you really do want to try to find me, uh, my ape, my board ape is um, my profile picture on LinkedIn. So I'm not that hard to find necessarily. Um, but I've talked a lot about like where I'm from. Like right now I'm in Arkansas. I'm from the Northeast. Um, really? 31. Yeah. I'm in uh, Southeast Missouri. So we're not that far off. Oh, nice. Nice. I'm actually in Northwest Arkansas. So we're really close. Uh and so I've been in, um, I've been here about two years and from the Northeast originally, uh, 31 years old. And yeah, so I have a, I started initially into Web3 uh, a little over a year ago um, into NFTs and, and crypto a little before that. And so I jumped in initially into Axie Infinity and I did buy an, my first actual NFT outside of Axie was a Chubby's NFT, which ended up being um, a semi rug. It was actually a stolen IP, which was um, interesting at the time. They've, they've since uh, supposedly patched it up with the original um, founder. But yeah, so I've been kind of in this space initially uh, within the Axie Infinity community. That's why I created my Twitter profile, Dave vs. Axie, um, created it right about a year ago and just started kind of making content for Axie Infinity because there wasn't much out there. Um, and to start a team back then was $800 to $1,000. So it just was so expensive to get into a video game when if you're from video game culture, $60 was always like your entry point for the last 10 years. So, but to not have anything on Twitch or YouTube, really, I was like, well, you know, I had the computer, I was comfortable speaking publicly. And I was like, why not just try to make informational videos to help people on board into the community. And so that garnered me a lot of views and, and followers, which was, which I really appreciate. And I just kind of continued to fall along that path of um, not really being over, overly, overtly shiller into a project or like within Axie. I never take anything from Axie for payments or from, I've, I've now done like an AMA with a new game called Crypto Unicorns. Um, that's just me organically. Like, Hey, I'm into this project. I'm investing in it. Let's find out more information from the founders or just, you know, my personal opinions on things just to kind of help share guidance into whatever you're doing. And that's kind of what I try to bring within the Quirkus community too. When I joined it over a month ago. What? Okay. You, uh, forgive me. What is Axie? Can you tell myself and the listeners a little bit about what Axie is? Sure. Yeah. So Axie is, um, I believe it's, I'm going to call it 
if not the original, because I think it might be CryptoKitties. Um, but I would say it's one of the original play-to-earn NFT-based um, video games. And so they've been around for four years. So if you think about NFTs, like they've been around longer than CryptoPunks. Um, and so four years ago, they had created their kind of origin tokens, which initially started out breeding the axes or kind of created the axes out of thin air. Um, and then from there, all the other axes that have been created have been created by players. Um, so initially, you know, you'd think if you're going to go buy a character or catch a character, you're buying it from the dev team. So they're, they're, they're developers or team called Sky Mavis. Um, in this game, though, you, they initially you bought the tokens from them, and that was for the first 4,000 axes, and then another abruptly 3,000 that were called MEOs were all bought from Sky Mavis. Every other axie out of those first 7,000 um, were created by players playing the game, earning SLP, and then breeding the axes together. And so now there's over 13 million. And so <laughs> over 13 million of these axes have been created by a character and then usually sold to another player. So there's obviously a ton of value created back to the people that are breeding um, back in the day. It's now since become a little bit unprofitable, but yeah, so it's this whole game and then it turns into a three V three almost hearthstone card, like battler um, where you have cards in your axis, which are their body parts. So you can't just like kind of change your deck anytime you want. You actually have to breed or buy the axie that you want to play with. Um, and yeah. And so there's those seasons and like this season, I think they're giving away something close to, three million dollars or something like that or um in prizes uh for the top players this season i think top Dude, prize is like 20 or 30k something like that. this game sounds awesome i've literally never heard of this but it sounds incredible and that's crazy too like right so so they they their blockchain is ronin they're the second most used blockchain in all of the world just and it's mostly because of the being axie being on the it. the only nfts on the blockchain are actually is axie NFTs. wow yeah. so they pulled that much volume just off that game so it really yeah, is a Wow. Their worst days in the last seven months have been a million dollar days in volume. Um, their best days, they were doing $30 million in volume on oh days. Oh my gosh, man. I am, I'm so, I grew up just a little about me. I didn't grow up playing video games. My dad was very like, he hated video games. He told me flat out one Christmas, he's like, if somebody gets you a video game, you're not going to play it. <laughs> I was like, gosh, darn it. Um, so I would always play with my buddies, but I never really got deep into the video game culture, but I definitely had really close buddies that even guys now that, you know, with Madden and with, wow. Um, and I saw what happened, you know, how people, you know, and it's still going on today. So it's something I've always kind of missed out on, but this sounds, you know, I, I ended up playing a couple of phone games as I, you know, became an adult could do what I wanted dad. Um, uh, but it sounds like there's some really cool, uh, you know, games on the blockchain that I need to familiarize myself with because there's earning potential like for real. yeah specifically with Axie though wait um in about two weeks they're gonna release what are it's called their version three it's called origin um and it will be free to play to start so okay. so you can actually test the game they'll have free axes for you to test out you won't be able to earn anything from it but then if you decide it's worthwhile and you want to get into it you can then go buy your axes on Ronin and then what play. is an axie is it like a dog is it like a bird like oh man I want to yeah let me um I'll send you send me a link because I definitely want to check this thing out. Um, <laughs> I will. If anybody else out there is an Axie head and wants to give me the 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 four one one, hit me on Twitter. Um, so there have been, I will say, there have there are a lot of Axie um, owners that are in Quirkies. I think cool. because, I, I don't I didn't like necessarily go shill it to them, um, but I think a lot of them picked up on me uh, investing into the the project and just being a huge fan, and so. Um, <laughs> there were many that 
jumped in pretty quickly. So we probably have, I would guess there's at least 30 Axie holders that are within the quirky space. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, so. if I do get into it, I've already sounds like I got a squad. I don't know if you guys do like, you know, uh, what do you call them? Like squads or groups or anything like that in the game. But, uh, you know, but you there are guilds. Yeah. yeah. Circle the wagons. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> this sounds fun. Well, I'll definitely be uh, looking into that. Let's, um, you know, we started talking about quirkies. What was your initial attraction to quirkies? Um, you know, I think we all kind of had a moment, I feel like, where it was like, you know, it happens when things in Web3, but I feel like everybody's moment was kind of similar, where it's like they saw it and were like, oh, shit, I got to get one. Like, was your moment like like that? All right, I'm seeing it. Oh, you're right. I, I just yeah, I just dropped the link, too. So, uh, no, my moment wasn't like that, uh, necessarily. I was actually holding on to, I think, about eight ETH at the time between my two wallets. And I was just looking for something to get into. And so I've been holding that ETH for 20, 30 days, which is a long time to be sitting on that much ETH. And yeah. so uh, I was just looking for the right project. And I'd done a couple just like goofy projects just for fun or, you know, maybe they 510X on a really low floor, like uh, kind of a derivative project that's just mm -hmm. kind of like, I put in a couple hundred bucks. If it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't really care. And I was just watching all the new mints that people were going after and I hated them. Like I didn't trust the teams and, everyone's number one if the number one selling point on a project was it was a docs team like that was immediately just a no yeah um and so yeah so i happened to be just hanging out on a saturday night i just had my kid um who now is like six seven weeks old so it ended up being really good timing that i was taking this kind of night shift until about midnight and that night on a saturday night you guys were just doing a space and or the quirkies were doing a space and so i jumped in they told me they've been running this space for almost 24 hours straight since reveal they talked to me about how it went from you know below mint price now it's already 8x to 0.4 and so all that i couldn't believe as to how um crazy that that jump had all worked out and so i uh i, I just kind of jumped in from there and i was like all right let, let's look at the art and so i saw all the, all the profile pictures i thought they were sick and then i just kind of jumped in saw what the floor was and, and what was around there so i just went and swept i think five or six um within a half hour of me being in that space and then I knew I had the five ETH on my on my cold wall. And I was like, dang, like, should I look at one of ones? And so sure enough, their one of ones were almost exactly five ETH. And I, I kept talking to the group, trying to figure out more, reviewing the roadmap. There was a couple like yellow flags that did nervous me, but I was like, you know what? No, this community, no one does this for 24 hours. I don't even care if it's the first day. And and they did seem pretty tight. They all seemed like they were really optimistic on it. I knew I knew that a lot of them were newer to NFTs, so I could feel that. And I was like, well, if I come in and I go big, I think I could help add influence and guidance on a positive note, like not tell them don't sell until whatever, mm -hmm. but just actually give them guidance. Like if you need to sell now, sell now. If you don't, you don't. Um, and just have those candid conversations. And sure enough, that's kind of how it worked out. And then we were fortunate too. We had others kind of join in like uh, Clint Apewood and um, Carson, who were obviously other big ape holders that then kind of just helped naturally sharing it too. And it's grown into to what it is today. It's crazy. Yeah, I believe... I'm at my either I'm a one month anniversary quirky holder today or yesterday, but <clears throat> I was in the spaces. I wasn't one of the mentors or anything either. I got in, uh, I got in around point two, which was I think it was two days after mint. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember you, I did the same thing you did. I would jump in one of the spaces and was just listening. And I remember, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but I think it might have been you. You, you were up on the stage and you were kind of like you just described right now, you were very bullish on it. And, you know, 
even then you were talking about how the, the a lot of the equity is anchored in what was happening right then and there and that's what's you know going on a little quirky tangent here but if you if anybody's listening to this and hasn't been in some of the other spaces or other projects you know and this is your first project like you probably don't understand how completely and truly blessed you are um you know because i've i've been in some i mean i'm in other things and you are too and you know that you know again 80 80 60 70 80 percent of this stuff is it is scary you know a lot of it is it's still teetering on that is it going to zero or is this actually going to be something and you go into these spaces and they're not like quirky spaces where it's just us you know literally quirk members holding the spaces and then quirk team members like showing up and joining us it's a lot of quirk or it's a lot of these project people you know scheduling they're almost like meetings and you go in and you listen to them and they're scary you know and, and they're not like quirky meetings where people are having fun it's meetings where people are like so like basically like i'm roundabout asking like is this over like it's it's like that out there in the nft space if you're not in quirkies in some of these projects ladies and gentlemen um so you know this is something like you said you and you noticed it was special and for me, what initially pulled me in was, you know, the art. I saw one and I just said, you know, this is so, this is good. And I'm not like an artist, but I have come, I'm in a point in my life where I trust my judgment on a lot of stuff because I've listened to other people and missed a lot of good things. So I was like, yeah, I don't think you're seeing it right. So I saw Quirkies and I was like, yeah, they look like goofy gumballs with, you know, faces drawn on them at first, maybe if you don't actually look at them, but if you actually look into like what is right before your eyes, you could see that there was something, you know, and, and again, across the whole palette, something meaningful there. So there's a quirky for everybody, but also there's only 5,000 quirkies, ladies and gentlemen. So get get in while the getting's good. Um, we have a great community going here. Uh, you know, another thing I like to bring up for me, you know, I looked at it and I saw the art and I was trying to find something to flip. And I was like, oh, this is going to go up and I'll flip it. I bought and I bought more and I bought another one. And I bought another one and I'm like diamond hands. Like, I don't want to sell. Like I have almost an emotional connection, which I know I shouldn't, but I'm just like, because of the value that I saw before anybody else did what, um, and I feel like we have several prominent community members that have come in. Like, yeah, I came in to flip and I'm sitting on six quirkies now. Like what's up? How, what, you know, there's a lot of value, I think to, uh, to that. Um, but was that ever a thought for you? You did say you sold a couple, you know, to kind of regain your, uh, I don't want to say your, your losses, but to regain some of your uh, your initial investment. Yeah, I haven't. Well, no, it actually was just so so candidly. Um, I brought in that eight ETH I was kind of sitting on was mostly going to be going towards taxes this season from gains of from last year. Mm -hmm. So I still will need to sell some stuff at some point, whether it's quirkies or me bits or car for who knows. But I, I've I've tested waters with a bunch of other projects recently, just trying to um, prove some more of my conviction on stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, I don't really think that that's that that's a really net positive. I never thought about flipping per se. I definitely thought, okay, if I hold on some of these rares, I, I don't try to hold a ton of a project ever, especially in a five thousand project. Like Ryan still is holding one hundred and eighty plus. That he at some point has to start letting some of those go. In my opinion, a it's going to be better just to allow more people in the community. Um, but B just also for him, he's got to start to. I mean, he's probably putting in over one hundred ETH, and so haven't some others. Um, so for me, it's uh, what I really liked about the project. It's even if the roadmap was a little vague with how strong the community was, the number one thing that I'm super optimistic on in the space that I don't think many talk about enough is open IP and licensing rights. And so for me, like 
that's something that I'm really bullish on over the next one to 10 years is some of these projects that are going to make it um, are going to have those open IP and open licensing rights, and they're going to be utilized by the community members to help grow. So if, if nothing else changes, right, I then spent, I don't even know if I had maybe, maybe maybe 100 grand on on art <laughs> that I can then go do whatever I want to. And so mm-hmm. I can go start a streetwear brand of my own, not call it quirkies, but just kind of use the actual characters or um, go put it onto CPG packaging or whatever it ends up being. And so for me, I think that I'm optimistic on that future and and how can that kind of evolve forward. And especially if you can start to get a suite of products, um, how that's kind of going to grow into the future. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's uh, helped, helped a lot of people want to stay in it too is, like you said, the ability to create with it because Web3 does, you know, <clears throat> financial gains are part of it. Yes, but it also is a lot of artistic minded and creative minded individuals. <clears throat> and those are, you know, amongst the NFT space, open IP on a good project. I mean, that's not something you come across, not something that mints every day, shall we say. Right. No, that sounds not true. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, we're kind of getting closer here towards wrapping up, but you know, what is your personal vision for Quirky's the brand in the community? You know, like what would you like to, you know, see, you know, there's so, there's a lot going on. Um, what is your kind of thoughts and what are you kind of projecting or what do you see for the future of Quirky's as we continue to grow? Yeah, I think there's, um, so, so what I'm most optimistic on a lot of the projects I'm in, um, be it like Cyber Kongs, Doodles, Board Ape Yacht Club, um, Cool Man in some regards too. I really like brands that are leading the pack versus just following what everyone else is doing. And so for Quirkies, they, they obviously Sin has kind of this vision where he wants to make uh, a streetwear uh, brand around the actual Quirkies IP, the brand IP. And I'm really think that others are doing merch he's saying no we're not just doing merch like we're going to make a brand and so i think that's a really um it could be expensive but that's an appealing uh differentiation for me that i want to see how it plays out uh, i still think the art from finch is really strong and so i'm curious to see how the companions work out um i also think game theory right now is really prominent and so there's a lot of things they could add around game theory and potentially even pivot into just people being able to kind of control their actions or um, be it like, you know, do they open, do they open the egg to a companion if it's an egg or do they reveal it or do they just leave it unrevealed to kind of like hold value in it? Um, like for me, I'm still holding my cyber Kong baby as an incubator. And just, just because like at some point, two years on the road, someone's going to want to open an incubator and there's not going to be many left over to do mm-hmm. that. Similar with like serums on the, on the mutant apes. So I think that there's a, um, there's a lot of potential to kind of just play around that. Um, but the, the, the challenge from the quirky side is they don't have a massive budget. Like they didn't mint, they didn't mint 10,000. They didn't mint at a 0.1 or a 0.2. Um, you know, the people complain the royalties are high, but ultimately like, if you look at the math behind it too, like, uh, it's crazy. Like some people's portfolios are worth in value right now of Quirky's. Like Ryan's portfolio is worth more than um, what Sin raised on the entire sale. Like it's crazy to, to think about that. Um, yeah. And it's like not even close really. Like Ryan's portfolio is probably worth 350 ETH or more. And since when he sold the whole project, it was only 250 ETH he raised at mint. Um, obviously he's made more in royalties. We've had a lot of sales, which is good. Um, so yeah, I think that they're going to be not cash constrained, but they have to be cash conscious as to how they're 
going to spend and what they're going to spend it on. But for me, I think our community is so strong. It's got to be event driven is really what I'm hopefully um, looking forward to within the future of Quirkies. Like the merch brand is going to be important. Um, companions are going to be cool. But either how do we expand the community to more people? You know, like to do companions end up becoming, you know, a second tier, almost like, um, you know, mutants or dogs did a little bit to board API club. Like they're still a valid, they're still a part of the mm -hmm. they're still quirky, but they're a quirky companion versus being the OG quirky. Um, and just to create a bigger community available because the challenge is when you only have 5,000 right now, 24, 2,500 holders, um, that's not a lot of people across the world. <laughs> and so if you're trying to do things in Australia and Europe and the US or South America, it's yeah. going to be hard to bring everyone together unless they're centralized around like an NFT NYC or other big events that are happening already. And having just act more of the, you know, the NFTs available, more entry to that community, like you said. Right, 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 right. And so if you can have, so if, if companions get kind of equal share, let's say there's 5,000 or 7,500 of them or 10,000 of them, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you're trying to get into a good community that is doing some of these things and it's kind of a similar pass into um, what those events are going to look like. Now, the challenge is, again, like you have to kind of prove those events before you can drive interest into um, the community, you know, or, or already have kind of that, that massive hype around what you're bringing. So yeah, there's a lot to, still a lot to be thought of and, and, and go into that too, but uh, yeah. I'm just excited feel, to kind of see it play out really. Yeah. I feel like the, uh, you know, I mean, I guess the team, as far as I know, is currently, you know, Finch, um, Sin, he has a social media person and I don't know how many other people are really involved. Eventually, so that's yeah so that's it except for um the mods their, yeah except for the mods but i think they're on like a contract basis not mm -hmm. actually on the team i think sign line might now be officially on the team but again i'm not 100 sure of that either i think he is though um officially onto the team but yeah that was also kind of sin strategies that he can hire contractors and then also it's not like a sticky situation where if you have an llc and you have seven people and three of them decide not to do anything and they're just kind of riding that coattails it's really hard to kick someone out of an llc or a partnership agreement um versus hey you're a contractor we're paying you a thousand dollars a month where you're fired we'll go hire someone else yeah well if we're gonna you know <clears throat> if you see some the future being uh, something that's uh event driven you know you're definitely going to need more people on the ground um you know in certain cities and you know to kind of make sure that those things are up to snuff you know up to up to quirky standards shall we say <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i'm interested to see how the uh, the team continues to grow and i guess you know the right word scale scaling you know as we get more high equity holders as we get more new holders as our price of entry goes up um you know eventually we're gonna you know that stuff is gonna continue to grow out um and it's been awesome to see the community grow in such a short period of time and you know it, it really does reward our community it, to date, you know, really does reward, um, you know, your value in the community. Um, you know, I've, we've seen a lot of people go out of their way to do very kind and generous things for people I don't really know, um, just because they, they see and they believe in something so strongly together. And that's what community is. So um, like I've said it before, you know, I'm, you know, we talked before the show, always be cynical. And I am a very cynical person. But that to me, in my mind, like I said, trusting myself um, because I believe in quirkies, because it can get through that cynicism of me. 
I can see the value even more. So I'm 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 very, as they say in the spaces, bullish. Yeah, so. and one one thing I'll add to that too is um, specifically around the community. The best communities I've seen or been a part of have always had that attribute from, you know, hey, they had their quirky stolen. We as a community are going to find a way to come back and buy it or get them a different quirky. Uh, you have um, other communities have done it a lot, like CyberCon has done it a lot. Board at Yacht Club's done it a lot. Um, Doodles hasn't done it too much that I've heard of. I don't really know how many scams they've had to kind of go through. Um, but specifically on board at Yacht Club and CyberCon, it's like their community is crazy around that too. Um, to the point where like, I know Coco, who's, if you don't know who Coco Berry is, he's an absolute legend. He doesn't tweet that much. He's super undoxed, uh, super private. But if he's in your project, man, like is he an amazing community member? He talks a ton in Discord, but he'll just like randomly go tip out thousands of dollars of bananas and Kongs. And then, you know, we had one guy, I think he had stolen or gal had like seven Kongs stolen. I think a couple of Genesis Kongs too. He went and bought them all and then gave them all right back to him like it was just it, it was thousands and tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars this guy spent just to give them back and to me that is like one of the craziest communities ever but i think that another part there that you have to be fortunate in the community too is not only to have a nice community and people who are you know kind to one another you also have to have a mixture of whales who are kind and just kind individuals beneath them too, kind of growing and, and working in that community um, because if you don't have someone, you know, I've done, I've sold some at cheap, um, or, or I haven't given one away yet. I've sold some at cheap to people to kind of help bring them in. I know, um, Prez has done that. Uh, Quirk Bear has done that. And I think Jason might've has done it as well, but that's just out of the generosity, but they're also in a fortunate position in their NFT career where they're like, Hey, if I give this away a couple thousand dollars worth of my cost basis was maybe a thousand. So I'd net out, you know, lose a profit of a couple grand or my cost of a thousand or two thousand it's not gonna kill them and that is like it's not anyone can just do that like definitely me a year ago there's no way i'm doing that i did give away a bunch of axes coming up um because i was just breeding them and basically breed with your own time and work through slp but most people are not gonna do that and so i think that that is such a crucial part amongst communities too to be willing and able to do that and you got to get lucky i think to to have generous people generous whales um uh, is an important thing in any community yeah we like i said we are i don't know the community really is uh i mean it is the utility you know i mean you you're getting a lot of smart people a lot of generous people a lot of open-minded people and a lot of people that have a lot of good ideas and you know in web3 um, you know, good ideas are, are, are worth something and we're willing to hear them out, accept them and grow and take people places. So being a quirky has been, been awesome. Um, I got two more questions for you before we close her all down. Um, you know, what, what's one piece of advice you would offer, you know, people trying to quote unquote, make it in web three, you know, you, you know, only being involved like a year and I'm sure a lot of people would say, you know, you've made it and none of us, you know, if anybody who's made it, I mean, you know, that it's really a, a journey, not a destination, but what kind of tips would you offer people maybe outside of the, the cookie cutter stuff that you might normally hear? Um, just, I'll let you, I'll let you freestyle that one. Sure. Yeah. Um, probably the, the most important part that I would say is, is, is two, well, it's two or threefold, but the first, the best thing you can do is start being a fake trader. I've encouraged this a lot in spaces. I've said to some other uh, close peers too, just become a fake trader. Cause the one thing you don't have is actual monetary value. Um, but trade like pretend you buy one or two of them 
and just see where you think that would go and assume that you can then resell at the floor. If you're still seeing floor purchases go through and you were planning to sell at that point, then you can kind of almost play the stock market game. Now, when you're doing that, a lot of people can say, oh, I, I've made all this money. This is amazing. You have to keep your wins and losses uh, accurate. And you need to just, and, it, and it's also a lot easier when you're playing that game to say, oh, it went down. I'm not going to sell now. You know, and I attribute back to like, if you buy a car, if you go buy a brand new car for 50 grand, immediately when you drive up the lot, it's worth 35. But you don't turn around and say, hey, I don't want the car anymore and, and take your 35 grand back. You're like, no, this is my car and I'm investing in it over the time because it's going to give me the ability to go from point A to point B or like mm -hmm. the flex or whatever it is. There's always reasons for your purchase. In the NFT space, a lot of people get FOMO and then like they get, um, I don't have a good word for it, but they kind of have like uh, influencer um, blind eyes. And so they end up just seeing someone or a couple go heavy engagement into a project and they're like, oh my God, I need to, I need to get in there too. Mm -hmm. And they'll just buy And That's the reason to buy is, oh, well, these three people bought, so I'm buying. That is a terrible way to invest in because you're not going to have... Um, the attachment to it for that car, right? It's almost mm -hmm. like if you really want a convertible, but you end up getting a minivan and they both cost the same amount, but you're like, shit, I don't want this minivan. I really wanted that convertible. And now you're kind of like, how do I get over there? It's because like someone said, oh, well, this minivan's going to go up in, in, in two days. It'll go up by 20%. So now you can take your 50 grand. It's now 60 grand. And then you can come back and get your convertible and save some cash. Like that's everyone's mindset in this space, which is just not how you should view it. Um, and there are times you can make those plays. And as you get more, uh, kind of free cash flow to play around with, you, you can take some shots like that on whatever reason you have, but you need to be serious about your actual reasons for investing into a project, um, and really have that conviction around it. So same thing that just happened to me. I, I went, I dumped about six quirkies at 0.4 to 0.5, uh, the next day on day two, when you got in, they were 0.2. Um, instead I'm holding them, you know, I could have bought twice as many, if not more, um, had I waited one day, but what was my reaction? Was my reaction to sell at point two? Or was I like, Hey, I'm going to try to even buy a couple more right now, dollar cost average in as much as I can. Um, because I'm, I'm actually long-term on a project. And so seeing and knowing that is so important when you're getting into a project and really what is your sentiment to hold? So like, I also said too, car they just announced hype beast. I was watching the project for a mint. I wanted to get in. They jumped immediately a six ETH. I didn't have that liquidity at the time at all. So I was like, I'm not touching them. I just couldn't afford it. Comes to Hype Beast, they're around three ETH. And I was like, shoot, I'm going to buy it. If I think about like Nike Monolith, I see that at five ETH right now. I'm like, hey, I could see the upside. And if you start to compare to projects now and have a real understanding as to why something might be pumping, um, that's important. And so I was like, hey, I could easily see this go to four or five ETH. So I bought four. And I told people in the space as I was doing it, I said, uh, if this goes down to two or less, I'll have to sell. Like I can't afford to lose all 12 of this ETH, but if I lose four ETH, it sucks, but I'll lose four ETH, but I'll hold all the way down until that too. You know? So it got down to, I think like 2.2. And I was like, well, this stinks, but I, I, I knew my strike point was two ETH or less mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to sell because I knew if I start compiling on, it might also force others. I'm going to pile on too. And so you need to then go and, get in the discord, learn about the community. What is everyone's conviction level? Why are they selling? What's this, what's the overarching sentiment too with now with Ukraine and war and um, politics on crypto in the U S like all everything there is a factor to what might be driving that price down versus I hate this project or something that people aren't talking about right now. Taxes are due in about a month. 
people probably just went and got their taxes done in February and early March. They saw, shoot, I owe 30 grand. I need to sell out whatever I need to do. And maybe they're still degening with money. And then once that floor drops a little bit, they have to sell that then compounds that floor dropping even faster, mm-hmm. but it should come back. And so really knowing those strike points too, I just did the same thing with me bits and I got those as well um, that they went up and down and it's like, well, you know, I can cash out or I can be confident in my purchase. And I think going through some cycles is key. If you can play the stock market game by yourself and be honest, you'll save yourself the money. If you don't, you're going to come in with real money. It's going to hurt way more. And I guarantee you, if you're new or coming in uh, for the first time with real cash and you're bringing in five, 10 grand, even if you can afford to lose it, um, you're going to sell the bottom. You're because you're not going to know any better. You're not going to have seen the cycles. You're not going to know a true conviction versus just hype versus just euphoria versus an influencer hype. You're not going to know those cycles and what they look like, and you're going to get burned. And then primarily when you do bring money in, my best advice is bring in whatever amount you can actually afford to go to zero. Pick true projects, teams, community you feel comfortable in. Stay in them for three to six months. Exactly. And, and if you can, and if, and if you know you're going to flip it, do your flip. But once you can take out your five to 10 grand, so you have no cost basis in, in the ecosystem, then start kind of free rolling. <clears throat> um, and you can be a little more DJing if you want. But I most likely when you DJ in, and it's funny, I just saw Tiny Thug the other day talking about it because he had some wins and he apparently recently had some bad losses. And that's kind of the cycle too. He's someone who has experience and he, he thinks he knows what he's doing, but he's still going to make wrong decisions too. And I have losses too. Um, and so thinking you're only ever going to pick winners is just not going to be the case. But knowing when to sell or sell at a loss is just as important because if you see the next thing for like me, for instance, me with MeBits, if I had 12 ETH, I spent it all. If I sold it eight, to get 8 ETH back, I lose 4 ETH. But if I can go put that 8 ETH into the next quirkies or the next thing that I love, and I can triple that to 24, a lot better than me holding on to that 8 ETH, maybe it goes back to 12 or maybe it goes to 16 you know, so knowing what your potential upside is, is so, so important too yeah. with anything you're holding and, yeah. and where you want to, and if you want an easy management, like a board API club, or if you want like an active management, like maybe Quirkies is kind of one of those too. Like, where is it actually going to go into the future and what your conviction is on it? So, yeah, I, you know, to parrot kind of what you said, it's definitely trial and error. <clears throat> I have most of my money, you know, I would say 75% in projects that I, don't intend on selling, you know, until they hit, you know, you know, a huge number or, you know, at least five, six months, let them mature. And then I have, you know, a small amount of money that I'm buying trash, you know, or stuff that it's priced as trash that might not be trash. And like you said, it's not, you know, people call it, you know, some, some semantic paper handing. You buy a project at 0.0, you know, 0.08. And the next morning you wake up, it's at 0.05. That doesn't mean you need to sell it at 0.05 or undercut the floor at 0.04 and try to find something else. That means you need to put your phone down or whatever. Well, first go check, make sure there's actually people making buying sales and then say, okay, I've been a part of this project. I've been an investor for 10 minutes, you know, like go sleep two more days. You wait long enough. The floor does come back up and you remember, oh yeah, I remember I bought this project because a few days ago it was going the other way. And you, you like you said, you don't want to take though you don't want to be involved in those kinds of projects with large scale money. I like to have my large scale money sitting in something where I know that I'm comfortable with it going up and down because I'm not scared it's really going to go to zero. And like you said you have to have your trigger points too like if it does get to this point this is where we do make our exit but you have to be in for the long haul if you really, you know, I feel like if you want to make money. A lot of other guys they flip this and that but like you said 
you'll end up looking and you'll end up making, you know, $5 on 20 hours of work. And then all of a sudden you're like, this isn't as fun as I thought it was. Right. And I think also too, if you are coming in, like if you just want to kind of get your cost basis back, the best thing I can say is go become a whitelist junkie, get into as many products as you can, and then decide which ones you actually want to mint, mint them, you get your two or three X pre-reveal, sell it. And don't play the reveal game. If you just are brand new, like, you, it's a way that it's almost it's almost like it's gonna sound weird, but like the whales are people that are um you know maybe don't care quite as much about their exact entry point. They're gonna come in and buy those because they're like, all right, I really like this project, I believe in it, I want to go from my three, maybe I got on whitelist to 10, and I'm gonna hold those. Um, let them play that game. But for you, if you're brand new, get in, take your two X's, three X's, and then jump the heck out. And and it's not necessarily a dig at those projects, unless again, like you're just like you know, if you're an anime it establishes a pattern, a, a good pattern for you until you have more money to start well, doing those. Yeah, things. there's that. But as I said, if, if, there's, if it's a product you absolutely love, like no matter what happens, you just need this art, then fine. But also you have to know that's an emotional decision and you're doing that because you truly love what you're getting into, but you then can't decide, okay, if it's at, if it, it, the other thing you can ask yourself and you should really ask yourself, all right, I, I loved it when I'm into that point two, I could sell at point four. Do I still love it at point one five? And if you do, then great. You know, and if you say in your head, if I had 0.15 at more, I'd buy at 0.15, then all right, you know you like the project and you have conviction. If you're gonna be freaking out <laughs> if that 0.4 goes on to 0.15, and you're the person in the Discord that's gonna be DMing, what's happening to the floor? Why is everyone selling? What's going on? If that's gonna be you in any situation, you're overexposed and you don't really like the project. Now you can maybe go ask the question, hey, why are you selling? Did something change? Or is this was this your plan the whole time? Mm -hmm. And I saw actually Rice Farmer, a good follow on Twitter, um, post, hey, I have a lot of alpha, but I have no one to share with. Having the right group to share it with too and knowing their actual intent is just as important. Knowing, are you here to flip? Are you here to hold? Are you here to collect? Like, yeah. where are you in your in your cycle as an in investor? And that and that alpha should always be different. And because if you're sharing it with your flip group, well, you know that if seven of eight of you are going to just flip out right away, you don't want to be the eighth person that's stuck there while they are going to do other things. Um, yeah. Versus if your group's a collector, like kind of what the one of ones has turned into in that chat on Quirkies, we're all pretty much collectors into whatever we're going into. And so we have a nice thing where we will flip some and take some profits in there. None of us are challenging each other when we sell anything. It's just like, hey, nice sale, like that's sick. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like we know that they're going to bring in some ETH and they're going to take some ETH out and they're going to still hold some quirkies. And that's kind of the mentality that all of us have. Um, but knowing who you're working with in that community too or within your own micro community is so important. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, I know you have to go. So quirky fam, go follow Dave on Twitter at Dave versus Axie, A-X-I-E. Great follow, great community member. Um, make sure you're following the official quirkies at, at quirky NFT. Follow the quirky cast podcast at quirky cast nft um jump on uh you know on twitter with us in spaces you know we're in there dave is active when he can be i'm active when i can be we're you know the community is broad there's a lot of cool people there's a lot of interesting people from artists to engineers to whales to to minnows like myself you know we're just we're we're all quirkies all 5,000 of us, you know, that are out there. Um, and then the companions are coming. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up. I know I'm excited for 2022 for all of us. Dave, any last words for the quirky fan before? And we'll definitely have you back on again. This was uh, too brief. I feel like you were definitely uh, dropping some awesome stuff. You know, I want to hear more about axes as well. So, but anything you want to say to the, the quirky fan before we get out of here? 
No, thank you for the time, Jordan. And uh, Quirkies, I'll see you in spaces later on Twitter. But uh, yeah, feel free to check me out. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right. Till next time, Quirky fam. Gonna be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd.